Continuing on the story of Red Wall, chapters 2 and chapter 3. So chapter 2. The high warm sun shunned down on Clooney the Scrouge. Clooney was coming. He was big and tough, an evil rat with ragged fur and curved jagged teeth. He wore a black eye patch. His eye had been torn out in battle with a pike. Clooney had lost an eye. The pike had lost its life. Some said that Clooney was a Portuguese rat. Others said that he came from the jungles far across the wide oceans. Nobody knew for sure. Clooney was a bilge rat, the biggest, most savage rodent that ever jumped from ship to shore. He was black, with grey and pink scars all over his huge, sleek body, from the tip of his wet nose up past his green and yellow slitted eye, across both his mean, tattered ears, down the length of his heavy, vermin-ridden back, to his enormous, whip-like tail, which had earned him his title, Clooney the Scrouge. Now he rode on the back of the hay wagon, with his 500 followers, a mighty army of rats, sewer rats, tavern rats, water rats, dockside rats, Clooney's army, fearing yet following him. Redtooth, his second in command, carried a long pole. This was Clooney's personal standard. The skull of a ferret was fixed at its top. Clooney had killed the ferret. He feared no living thing. Wild-eyed with the terror of rat smell in his nostrils, the horse plunged ahead without any driver. Where the hay cart was taking him was of little concern to Clooney. Straight on the panicked horse galloped, past a milestone lodged in the earth at their roadside, heedless of the letters graven in the stone. Redwall Abbey, 15 miles. Clooney spat over the edge of the cart at two young rabbits playing in a field. Tasty little things. A pity the cart hadn't stopped yet, he thought. The high warm sun shunned down on Clooney the Scrouge. Clooney was a god of war. Clooney was coming nearer. Chapter 3 Beneath the great hall of Redwall, candles burned bright in their sconces. This was the cavern hall of the mice. What a night it was going to be. Between them, Matthias and brother Alf had caught and landed a full-grown grayling. They had fought and played the big fish for nearly two hours, finally wading into the shallows and dragging it to the bank. It was nearly two pounds in weight, a tribute to brother Alf's angling skills combined with the youthful muscles of Matthias and their joint enthusiasm. Constance the badger had to be called. Gripping the fish in her strong paws, she followed the two mice to the abbey kitchen and delivered the catch for them. Then she made her farewells. They would see her at the Jubilee feast that evening, along with many other Mossflower residents who had been invited to share the festivities. Brother Alf and Matthias stood proudly beside their catch amid the culinary hustle and bustle until they were noticed by Friar Hugo. Busy as he was, the enormously fat Hugo, who would have no other title but that of Friar, stopped what he was doing, wiping the precipitation from his brow with a dandelion that he had held with his tail. He waddled about inspecting the fish. Hmm, nice shiny scales, bright eyes, beautifully fresh. Friar Hugo smiled so joyfully that his face disappeared amid deep dimples. He shook Alf by the paw and clapped Matthias heartily on the back as he called out between chuckles, Bring the white gooseberry wine, fetch me some rosemary, thyme, beech nuts and honey, quickly. And now, friends, now. He squeaked, waving the dandelion wildly with his tail. I, Hugo, will create... A grayling a la red wall such as will melt in the mouth of mice. Fresh cream. I need lots of fresh cream. Bring some mint leaves too. They had, fry, 
They left Fry Hugo ranting on, delirious in his joy, as they both went off to bathe and clean up. Combing whiskers, curling tails, shining noses, and the hundred and one other grooming tasks that Redwall mice always performed in preparation for an epic feast. The rafters of Cavern Hole rang to the excited buzz and laughter of the assembled creatures, hedgehogs, moles, squirrels, woodland creatures, and mice of all kinds, field mice, hedge mice, dormice, even a family of poor little church mice, kindly helpers scurried about, making everybody welcome. Hello there, Mrs. Church Mouse. Sit the children down. I'll get them some raspberry cordial. Why, Mr. Bankvol? So nice to see you. How's the back? Better now? Good. Here, try a drop of this peach and elderly brandy. Matthias's young head was in a whirl. He could not remember being so happy in all his life. Winifred the, other, the otter nudged him. I say, Matthias, where's this giant grayling that you and old how forked by the claw. I wish that I could land a beauty like that. Nearly a two-pounder, wasn't it? Matthias swelled with pride. Such praise, and from the champion fisher himself, an otter. Tim and Tess, the twin church mouse babes, felt Matthias' strong arm muscles and giggled aloud in admiration. He helped to serve them two portions of apple and mint ice cream. Such nice little twins. Was it only three months ago that he had helped Sister Stephanie to get them over tail rickets. How they had grown. Abbot Mortimer sat in his carved willow chair, beaming thanks as one by one the new arrivals laid their simple homemade gifts at his feet. An acorn cup from a squirrel. Fishborn combs from the otters. Mossy bark sandals made by the moles. And many more fine presents, too numerous to mention. The abbot shook his head in amazement. Even more guests were arriving. He beckoned Friar Hugo to his side. A whispered conference was held. Matthias could only hear snatches of the convocation. Don't worry, Father Abbot, there will be enough for all. How are the stellar socks, Hugo? Enough to flood the abbey pond, Father. And nuts? We must not run short of nuts. You name them, we've got them. Even candied chestnuts and acorn crunch. We could feed the district for a year. Dairy produce? Oh, that. I've got a cheddar cheese that four badgers couldn't roll, plus ten other varieties. Good, good. Thank you, Hugo. Oh, we must thank Alf and young Matthias for that magnificent fish. What fine anglers they are. They're enough to keep the entire abbey going for a week. Excellent mice. Well done. Matthias blushed to his tail's end. The otters, the otters. A loud, jolly cry went up as three otters in clown costumes came bounding in. Such acrobatics. They tumbled, balanced, and gyrated cavorting comically across the laden tabletops without upsetting as much as a single sultana. They ended up hanging from the rafters by a strand of ivy to wild applause. Ambrose Spike, the hedgehog, did his party piece. He amazed everyone with his feats of legerdemain. Eggs were taken from a squirrel's ear, a young mouse's tail stood up and danced like a snake. The incredible... Vanishing shell trick was performed in front of a group of little harvest mice who kept squeaking, he's got it hidden in his prickles. But had he? Ambrose made a few mysterious passes and produced the shell straight out of the mouth of an awestruck infant mouse. Was it magic? Of course it was. All activity ceased as the great Joseph Bell tolled out eight o'clock from the Abbey Belfry. Silently, all the creatures filed to their allocated places. They stood reverently behind the seats with heads lowered. Abbot Mortimer rose and solemnly spread his paws wide, encompassing the festive board. He said the grace, Fur and whisker, tooth and claw, all who enter by our door, 
nuts and herbs, leaves and fruits, berries, tubers, plants and roots, silverfish whose life we take only for a meal to make. This was followed by a loud and grateful Amen. There was a mass clattering of chairs and scraping of forms as everyone was seated. Matthias found himself next to Tim and Tess on one paw and Cornflower Field Mouse on the other. Cornflower was a quiet young mouse, but undoubtedly very pretty. She had the longest eyelashes Matthias had ever seen, the brightest eyes, the softest fur, the whitest teeth. Matthias fumbled with a piece of celery and self-consciously turned to see if the twins were coping adequately. You never could tell with those baby church mice. Brother Alf remarked that Friar Hugo had excelled himself. As course after course was brought to the table, tender freshwater shrimp garnished with cream and, and rose leaves, deviled barley pills and acorn puree, apple and carrot chews, marinated cabbage stalks steeped in creamed white turnip with nutmeg. A chorus of oohs and ahs greeted the arrival of six mice pushing a big trolley. It was the grayling. Reeves of erotic, uh, erotic steam drifted around Cavern Hall. The fish had been baked to perfection. Fry Hugo entered with a slight swagger, added to his ungainly waddle. He swept off his chef's cap with his tail and announced in a somewhat pompous squeak, My Lord Abbot, honoured guest from Mossflower area and members of the Abbey, <clears throat> I wish to present my piece de resistance. Oh, get on with it, Hugo. After some icy staring about to detect the culprit and several smothered sniggers from around the, the room, the little... That friar pulled himself up once more and declared firmly, Grailing a la Rabol. Polite but eager applause rippled around as Hugo sliced the fish and placed the first steaming portion onto a platter. With suitable dignity, he presented it to the abbot, who thanked him graciously. All eyes were on the father abbot. He took a dainty fork loaded precariously with steaming fish. Carefully, he transferred it from plate to mouth, chewing delicately. He turned his eyes upwards, then closed them, whiskers a twitch, jaws working steadily, munching away. His tail curled up, holding a napkin, which neatly wiped his mouth. The abbot's eyes reopened. He beamed like the sun on a midsummer morn. Quite wonderful, perfectly exquisite. Friar Hugo, you are truly my champion chef. Please serve our guests your masterwork. Any further speech was drowned by hearty cheers.